Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors who may be joining us this morning. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. We gather with great joy to hear Christ's word, to receive his sacrament on this 14th Sunday after Trinity. And we have really before us a familiar reading in the gospel, the healing of the ten lepers, a reading that is also scheduled to normally come up about the time of Thanksgiving, although there is some flexibility for that. So this is one of the only readings that's scheduled to be heard twice in the course of the year. So I'll turn your attention then to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have that focused on Christ section, a summary of our readings, which of course includes the gospel for the day. The ten lepers cried out from a distance, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Their condition cut them off from God and others. So also do the works of the flesh cut us off from God and others. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, St. Paul writes in Galatians 5. Thus we cry out with the lepers, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, eagerly seeking his good gifts. Jesus said to the lepers, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So too we walk by faith and not by sight, being confident of Jesus' help before we see any evidence of it, trusting that Jesus' cleansing words of forgiveness will restore us to wholeness in the resurrection. Let us be as the one leper who returned to the, great, the true high priest, Jesus Christ, to give him thanks and glory. For Jesus bore our infirmities in his sacrifice at Calvary. His words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Well, we have the great joy of receiving the Lord's body and blood this day in and under bread and wine. His very body and blood which cleanse us, which forgives our sins, which restores us to wholeness before God. And according to Jesus' word, he bids us to be in unity when we come to receive this good gift. Not just concerning our confession of the sacrament of the altar, but in all that we confess as Christians. Therefore, uh, all those attending the Lord's Supper this day, we ask to be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining in one Orthodox confession of the Lutheran or of the Christian faith. I also want to draw your attention to uh, again that inside of the back cover section. There, you'll notice uh, the print is rather small. Perhaps it'll have to be bigger in future weeks. Uh, we have the first portion of the small catechism. So as we've begun the school year, uh, this year in worship, we're going to be following along with our midweek school, and we'll have just a section of the catechism, which we will recite each and every Sunday morning. And so we're going to begin that today. So I'll direct your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin again, where it says, small catechism, 10 commandments. What is the first commandment? We read together, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Our divine service this day is divine service setting three as it begins on page 184. We now sing the first hymn. O Lord, keep your church with your perpetual mercy. And because of our frailty, we cannot but fall. Keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
The Old Testament reading for the 14th Sunday after Trinity is from Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, if, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, dear saints in Christ Jesus, the English word for worship 
has been used in our churches to describe what happens on a Sunday morning when we gather together as Christ's church. We talk about a worship service. Well, we speak of going to church to worship God. Well, that word worship is an old English word that literally means worth-ship. We ascribe worth to God. We worship God by glorifying him for who he is and for what he does. Worship is the first expression of faith. Now, the first commandment commands us to worship God. I am the Lord your God who has taken you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You see, faith and worship, they are inseparably bound together. Properly understood, faith is worship. Everything else is just commentary. Faith believes everything God says. Faith relies implicitly on every promise God makes. Faith depends on God for every good thing. You see, this gets to the heart and center of what Luther has to say about this. That is the first commandment in the large catechism. That a God is anything that we fear, love, and trust. A God is anything that we look to for all good and expect to receive from all good. Well, true faith expects God, the one true God, to provide every need. Faith is a living and daring confidence that God cannot forsake us or deny us any good thing. Faith, then, is the purest and holiest form of worship. In fact, the very essence of worship is faith. Now, in this sense, worship remains unseen by human eyes and unheard by human ears because only God can see faith and so then only God can see true worship. Now, the fruit of faith, however, can be seen and heard by others. When we worship together, God binds us together as one. As we confess in the creed, I believe in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. While we cannot see the faith by which we are joined together in communion with one another, we can see and we can hear the fruit of that faith as we glorify God with one voice. Now, the Greek word for glory is doxa. It is where we get the word doxology and orthodox. You've heard that word recently. We usually think that orthodox means right teaching, and it does, but literally, if we're going to nitpick, it refers to the right way of glorifying God, which, of course, we do with our lips with right words that praise and glorify him. Again, we glorify God for who he is. Jesus, in the gospel, cleansed and cured ten lepers. Only one returned to glorify God. He returned to Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet. And in falling at Jesus' feet, he was glorifying God. See, we glorify God by worshiping God in the flesh. We glorify God by worshiping Jesus, the Word made flesh. Jesus said that everyone who honors the Father must honor the Son. There is no true worship of God the Father apart from giving glory to his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Now, in our culture today, there's a whole lot of talk about prayer. There are prayer meetings, prayer breakfasts, and prayers offered before civil servants commence their duties in state houses across the country. There's even a national day of prayer. Now, on the surface, this all sounds well and good. However, Christians ought to ask themselves what God, lowercase g, is being prayed to on such occasions. Because, you see, there is no God but the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, any prayer offered up to a generic God or deity with no mention of the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit should be examined and considered with great 
suspicion, with caution. In fact, participation in such events should be approached with the same caution. Now why? Because a prayer that deliberately ignores Jesus, that goes out of its way to ignore Jesus, is no prayer at all. Now, such a statement will no doubt trigger and anger some people today where there's such a desire to at least be visibly united and in harmony with other people. But true worship does not consult public opinion, human opinion for direction. It glorifies God by glorifying his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Now, getting back to the gospel lesson, we don't know if the other lepers who were cleansed were grateful. I mean, I would think they are, right? How could they not be? But only one, a Samaritan, returned to glorify God by falling at Jesus' feet to give him thanks. Dear saints, we glorify God for who he is, and we glorify God for what he does. He healed ten men of a terrible disease. Lepers were required by law to stand away from healthy people and to cry out, unclean, unclean, so as to avoid infecting others. They were segregated from the world. They were ritually unclean. And this is why they were required to show themselves to the priests if they were healed. A priest would determine if they were permitted to re-enter the religious community and to again participate in worship. When the nine lepers continued on their way to the priests while the leper from Samaria returned to Jesus, a clear confession was made by his actions. You see, the nine confessed that they wanted fellowship with a religious community. The one confessed that he wanted fellowship with God. Now, some may wonder, is there really such a difference? Well, oh yes, dear Christians, there is a difference. There is a fundamental difference. See, people, human beings, we are incurably religious. We want to be with other people and express religious sentiments. That's why people go to church or synagogue or mosque. Think about it. There's nothing uniquely Christian about gathering with other like-minded people on a regular basis to go through religious rituals. Just examine the, rit- relig- the rituals forgive me, of devoted football, baseball, and basketball fans. And it doesn't even have to be sports. It was very telling during the COVID pandemic that people had such a hard time giving up their CrossFit groups because... They had a religious devotion to gathering together and doing the same things together. And by the way, CrossFit does not pertain to any kind of Christian gathering. CrossFit is just functional fitness, as it is often called. So what is unique about Christian worship is its source. We aren't just saying religious things or expressing religious feelings. No, we are glorifying the one from whom we have received the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our souls. Christian worship is always in response to receiving what God gives us in Christ Jesus. The Samaritan who was cleansed returned to glorify God. For what? For healing him. What does Jesus say? He says, your faith has made you well. Or literally in the Greek, your faith has saved you. His faith had saved him from leprosy of the body. His faith had saved him from the cause of all diseases of the body and the soul. He was rescued, delivered, cleansed of his sin. Now, mercy, when we describe mercy, it's much broader than forgiveness, but forgiveness is always at its heart, always at the heart of mercy. God has pity on the suffering of sinful people, even though they deserve what they suffer. Think about it. 
Have you ever been entirely innocent, even when suffering unjustly? We confess in Luther's explanation of the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. True worship is Christian worship. That is, true worship comes from receiving what Christ alone can give, what he has earned on his cross, and what he gives in his means of grace, his word and sacraments. True worship comes from receiving the forgiveness of sins. The lepers, they went to the priests. Nine of them continued on their way, even after they saw that they were cleansed. But who was it? that cleansed them. Nine out of the ten didn't care. They were clean. That's all that mattered. But you see, it wasn't all that mattered. It mattered that Jesus cleansed them. Only one of the ten cared about that. The fact that Jesus was the one who had healed them showed that he was the true high priest, our great high priest, the one who had shed his blood to forgive sinners their sins. Who but the promised Christ, the Savior, God's only begotten Son in the flesh, could by a mere word heal a man from leprosy? The Samaritan, you see, he would have never been accepted as a member of that group of ten men had he not been a leper. Misery loves company. And when segregated away from the rest of the world, you can't be too choosy about whom you let in your company. Beggars can't be choosers, right? But under normal circumstances, the Jews would not socialize with Samaritans. Not even a little bit. Not even close. Samaritans were known for holding to false doctrine and false worship. But this Samaritan understood clearly what true worship was. He glorified God in Christ for showing mercy. That's the essence of true worship. We not only recognize Christ as our God, we confess that in Him alone is the mercy that we need from God. Your faith has saved you. That is what Jesus said. That is what Jesus says. Not just any faith, but your faith. And it isn't a generic one-size-fits-all faith. It is a specific faith. It's a faith that looks to Jesus, that clings to the object of our faith, who is Jesus, and knows that for his sake, God will always be merciful. The high priest has sacrificed himself for us upon the cross. He has invited us to show ourselves to Him. Showing Him our sin, He takes it upon Himself. Confessing to Him our leprous desires, He washes us clean. Now we look to see the works of the flesh, and we see them in ourselves quite clearly. We see adultery, we see fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. We confess that those who make a continual practice of doing these things, they have no share in the kingdom of God. But then we run to Christ Jesus. We cry out for his mercy. The mercy that flows from the blood he shed for us all on the cross. Does Christ ever refuse us? Does he ever send us away without receiving that for which we have prayed? He has not. 
and he will not, because he cannot. He is who he is, and his name is pure mercy. See, the church service is not primarily a worship service. Yes, we gather together to glorify God and to confess our faith in him, but we can do that at home, at work, or with a neighbor. The church service is primarily divine service. It is where we come to find our high priest who ever makes intercessions for us in heaven, where he speaks to us, he absolves us, he feeds us, he forgives us. It is where we gather to hear the gospel and receive Christ's blessed sacraments. Through the word of Jesus and by his holy sacraments, God serves us in our need, in our greatest of needs. We receive what faith needs. We receive forgiveness of sins, life eternal, and salvation. We receive it every time we come, for this is what our Savior wishes to give to us, to give to you, not just piecemeal, but completely. He doesn't leave us wounded or impure. He sends us on our way, pure, clean, holy, and righteous in his sight. He deigns to accept our thanksgiving. He who serves us in the divine service, he enables us to glorify him. And so we do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For every illness and trial of this life, that they would draw us to the feet of Jesus to find healing and offer true worship, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For hearts that always long for the dwelling place of the Lord's glory, that we would find our healing and eternal peace in the lovely courts of Christ's church, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the fathers of the church, that with the boldness of Solomon, they would exhort their sons to wisdom, justice, and persistence in the way of salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who attend midweek school and Sunday school, that the Holy Spirit would enlighten those who teach and those who learn, that the joyous truth of the gospel may be known in every generation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick, the needy, and those shut in, including Helen Tate, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that Christ would turn their sickness to health and their troubles to joy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who have received healing, that they would render thanks to Christ their master in the tabernacle of his church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the followers of Christ here and in every place, that receiving his crucified body and his blood in the sacrament, they would be taught and strengthened to crucify their own flesh daily and walk according to his Holy Spirit. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. And thanksgiving for all the saints who have walked before us, resisting the flesh, after whose example we too may cultivate the fruit of the Spirit by the power of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Almighty and everlasting God, because you love to show mercy, hear the prayers we offer for your ancient people, that acknowledging Jesus Christ, the light of truth, they may be delivered from darkness through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Well, again, good morning and welcome on this beautiful day that the Lord has given to us. I'll turn your attention to the announcements there in the uh, inside of the back of your bulletin. As we look ahead at this week, of course, Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. Uh, this Tuesday, the uh, Circuit Pastors Meeting, the monthly Winkle Meeting, will be here at uh, Trinity in Norburn. Uh, that'll begin at 9.30, and then uh, Divine Service will be at 10 o'clock. And um, District President Hagen will be joining us that day. He'll be addressing the pastors of the circuit on matters pertaining to uh, what is going on in ministry in the Missouri District and also throughout the Synod. This coming Wednesday, we continue in midweek, uh, or with midweek school at 3.30, followed by uh, workout class at 6 o'clock in the auditorium and choir at 7. That's correct, right? Yes. Choir at 7. Thank you. Uh, so uh, we rejoice to have that begin once again. And also another reminder just that we do have that Heart Saver CPR and AED class coming up here on the 23rd at 8.30. That'll be in the auditorium. There's a, a small cost of $20 associated with that. Uh, it'll be two or three hours of your time. There's a sign-up sheet on the glass case. If it's full, go ahead and sign up anyway. It's entirely possible that we will fill this class. Uh, we have every assurance that we can host more of these after that. So uh, please do sign up if you're interested. Um, it's always just good to know these things, especially when we have just a little bit of a drive into a hospital. Never hurts to be well-versed on CPR and AED practice. Also, Christian Culture Magazine, the new issues here. So again, as a, uh, as a supporting congregation of Luther Classical College, they do send us quarterly about 10 issues of that magazine. So you can find it there on the glass case. Uh, some fantastic topics this month. I've included the titles of those uh, in the bulletin, so please see that. And also the third annual Oktoberfest is coming up Sunday, October 1st. We look forward to that very much uh, as it is soon going to be arriving. Anything that I may have missed? All right, well, hearing nothing. Um, God's peace be with you as you go into the week, knowing that the healing Christ of Galilee has done exactly that for you. In his death and resurrection, he has secured your forgiveness, life, and salvation. And we can still taste on our lips that the Lord is good as he has given us his body and his blood for our forgiveness, life, and salvation this day. And his word of peace and forgiveness still rings in our ears. God be praised. Let us go then confess his name among our neighbors. I'll greet you at the door.